Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. To evolve from a freelance to a founder, it's all about finally getting something that you can sell that doesn't require you to personally be involved. I think that is the hardest thing for anyone who's a freelancer or a consultant in any capacity is to imagine what this actually looks like when you are no longer the one delivering it because you don't realize how much inherent knowledge you have and how much inherent value you're bringing just in all these experiences you have until you try to teach someone else how to do it. I'm Brandon Hull, and this is Freelance the Founder, a Millo production. It's season four, and this is episode number two. If you're just joining us for the first time, here on the podcast, we tell the stories of solopreneurs who've scaled their businesses to something much bigger than themselves. In some cases, they're now multi-million dollar enterprises with dozens or hundreds or thousands of employees, and in others, they found ways to build highly profitable but still small businesses with a modest cast of supporting assistants. You can comment on the episode over at Milo.co, or you can provide your rating and review within the Apple Podcasts app. On today's episode, you're going to learn the value of testing ideas and willingly accepting the lessons that come from what feels like failure. From web designer to $40,000 in monthly revenue, this is the story of Jake Jorgensen, founder of Lead Cookie. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code freelance to save $400 hydro.com promo code freelance or just click the link in our show description have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone sometimes you need a full-fledged team other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at whatever your reason for hiring we recommend you take a look at linkedin jobs LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate 
easy, and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, so the the way I would look at that is a service company is your typical agency where they'll kind of do custom contracts or deals for each client. And then a productized service is this is what we offer. You can take it or leave it. When I went into this, my goal was to create a service that could finally run without me and do that really quickly. Because I had always struggled with the physical packages. I told you, I, I got sucked into the operations and it was always my expertise that I was selling. And so with this and what I was looking for when I launched this business was how do I get a tactic that I can teach someone on and get the delivery of that off my plate as quickly as possible where literally it's a system, it runs without me and in no way does it require my expertise to deliver the value to the customer. Find a client, sign a contract with that client, serve that client. That's the life of the typical freelancer. You've got a special skill or knowledge and you provide it to people one at a time. But this show is about people who have found ways to build businesses bigger than that or beyond that, who wanted to scale themselves somehow. And that's what Jake Jorgovan has done in short order. Here's a guy who went from nerdy, hippie, even stoner kid in his younger years, all his words, by the way, not mine, to successful entrepreneur with his new startup, Lead Cookie. I mean, not everybody's journey got started as a motivated, focused, or even driven youngster. Let's hear it from Jake. Yeah, I was uh, quite a nerdy kid growing up. Uh, I was always creative, interested in drawing and computers. I, I played tons and tons of video games growing up and Somehow that evolved into learning Photoshop and making silly designs of words on fire and things like that. And uh, that that was kind of, you know, my I, I, I was not the most active kid. I was always terrible at sports, but I got really comfortable behind a computer at a young age. It was probably around high school that I started to realize that this was really a strength, something that I was um, very good in. And uh, that's when I got, it was probably when I got involved in journalism in high school. That's when I started to see the practicality of it, the how I really shine technically among a lot of the other people around me in the, in the classes and everything and in the program. And, and so journalism in high school was probably that really strong turning point where I started to really see this as potential for a career. Yeah, I had an incredible uh, teacher named Clay Ziegler who uh, ran our journalism department at my high school. and. Then one of the really fun things was I actually helped us start a radio station at my high school as well. So uh, one of the things I've discovered throughout life is I really like starting things. So I was on the, the ground floor and really helped launch that program. And that entered me into the world of audio equipment and audio engineering. Um, and that kind of just you know spiraled. And basically, that actually led to me building a recording studio in my basement out of blankets and couch cushions and recording local bands. So it, it spiraled from there into this just obsession with uh, audio and just learning all these different types of media production programs. Jake credits his supportive parents as crucial in those early days. Whatever he was interested in, they were open to pushing him to explore further. 
His father was legendary with his work ethic. You pair Jake's love for music, his parents' encouragement, and that experience with starting a radio station at school, and you get this from Jake. Probably around 16, it would have been around the time I guess I got a car and my first job so I could start buying some stuff. But I literally, um, long term forever, borrowed a computer from the school um, and uh, started to record bands in my basement with uh, sometimes borrowing equipment from the radio program. My professor was nice enough to allow me to do that. And uh, basically just started like buying stuff and I literally went to Goodwill and bought a bunch of comforters and like couch cushions and put them up in my basement and made this hodgepodge studio and started recording bands from my high school. Jake loved the idea of starting his own thing because of a deep distaste for doing things the corporate way. So I, I've, I don't know that if this is really where it all comes from, but I was, I was a pretty big hippie, or as they would say, stoner in high school, um, as well. Hence all the band recording, um, and I got this like really crazy viewpoint for a long period of time that the world was like this system, and I didn't want to like play within the standard system, and it's like, and I don't know, I was just like I had this crazy mindset like that for it was probably kind of unhealthy for a while. So I remember one of my first jobs was at Walgreens. And I really wanted to get promoted to this job title they have there called pharmacist tech, uh, which like paid way more and you didn't need a degree for it or anything. You just had to go through the training. I remember my manager being like, well, if you're not going to pharmacy school, I'm not gonna like let you get that position. And I got really annoyed at that and I quit. Utter disdain for bosses and bureaucracies seems like a darn near prerequisite for living the entrepreneurial life. Over the dozens of episodes we've done on Freelance to Founder, that's a common thread. Entrepreneurs just don't feel they fit the corporate mold. I'm not certain that all freelancers feel that same level of dislike as many get lured back into full-time jobs, but maybe we should jot that down as one of your evaluation criteria for moving from freelancer to founder. Anyway, despite these feelings, Jake assumed he'd follow the typical path of heading off to university to study and prepare for life after in the corporate world. He graduated with degrees in entrepreneurship and audio engineering, the latter because he assumed he'd find his way into the music business post-university. No, so that's, uh, I definitely was just in the mentality of college is what you do next. Uh, That was just, and part of that I think is wanting to escape uh, and just get out of the house and go live somewhere else. Um, and, and in retrospect, I, I look back at that and I, t- I tell so many people that are younger now, I'm like, you should really consider taking a year off or not going to college at all. Like, I, I highly advise that to be an option that people consider because I, I agreed to an astronomical amount of student debt at the age of 17. At the time of graduation, I was convinced I was going to go work in the music industry and be a record producer. Um, and Belmont is one of the top audio programs in the school that is, or in the country that is. Uh, so they, they do have a really good program for that. And so that was it was literally the only school I even applied to and even considered. And um, that's kind of what led to that journey there. But I was pretty much convinced right out of the gate I'd be going there. So remember that business he started while in high school, recording bands in his basement, literally? He called it Rabbit Hole Creative, and it lived on during college and just beyond. What started as him dabbling in recording music turned into a real venture. So I would say, so when we, 
when we graduated, uh, we had one full-time employee and moved into our office. And within six months of graduation, finally getting to go full-time with the business, I believe we had made two more full-time hires. We were up to about four or five at that point. Uh, and that point where we scaled up to 12 was probably about two, one to two years after graduation. So I would say it was probably 23, 24, maybe uh, around that age. The problem is not every venture scales, not every idea pans out, and not every partnership flourishes. Rabbit Hole Creative wasn't meant to be, and Jake had to shut things down. His next startup, a healthcare industry effort, didn't play out so well either. See, not every story here on the show is a rags-to-riches one. You stumble and fall along the way, and Jake wasn't immune to that any more than anyone else. So after I ran the agency, I just dove straight into doing this healthcare startup just because I honestly kind of had this ego and I had this opportunity with this investor who somehow believed in me that I was going to succeed with this. And uh, it was a huge failure for me because it ultimately was just I was taking advantage of this opportunity of this investor. His idea was let's use the Xbox Connect and physical therapy, you know, video technology here, like you go run this thing. And I just took advantage of this opportunity. And I wasn't, I had no self-awareness at that point in time in life. I didn't really like journal. I didn't meditate. I didn't step out of my own head ever. And so I just dove into this opportunity and it was totally wrong for me. It was basically what happened is after that healthcare startup failed, I just went in and I taught myself web design and I just started web design to digital marketing and I just started freelancing and doing whatever I could to make money. It was kind of ridiculous, but I went from running this agency of seven people to struggling to pay the bills um, and coming out of this failed business. And so I just started learning new skills. And it was while doing this kind of work, web design and digital marketing, that Jake had his aha moment. At some point, um, I had this epiphany where I just realized, like, what is, like, why am I doing web design? Like, I know I'm more talented than this. Like, what am I doing here? And I looked back at what was the most value I ever created in my career. It was, I think it, I was probably actually listening to Tony Robbins or something at the time and saw a concept of just like create value. And I said, okay. And I was like, well, it was, it was that all the sales that I drove at my agency. I mean, I was booked us over $700,000 of business in our peak year and hundreds of thousands of dollars before that. So I'd, I'd closed over a million dollars of business when I had this agency. And I was like, what am I doing designing websites? Like, I'm clearly pretty good at sales. Um, and so that's when I basically made this shift to start basically helping other agencies and consulting companies um, with their sales and marketing, which is where Outbound Creative came from. Jake came to the realization that so many people struggle with their digital marketing. But it's one thing to build strategies for people. It's another thing to do it in a hands-on manner, to do their marketing for them. So I'll tell you that this was a this is an example of a failure of a launched business, but actually it kind of worked. It wasn't total failure, but um, when I actually launched Outbound Creative, which is like the, the, the point where I made this shift from just kind of freelancing to trying to start companies again, um, I had this concept of mailing physical packages to people. I basically, what I would do is I would put together these elaborate packages. Like we mailed pinatas to people. Uh, we mailed literally cakes to people um, with lettering on top that sent them to a URL and a video um, to pitch them. So it was all this kind of idea of doing dream client campaigns, going really big, getting high level connections. 
Um, so for some reason, I didn't just go straight to like consulting for agencies, but I started off doing these physical package campaigns, which actually they worked really well, but they were kind of too expensive. And ultimately what I realized is that a lot of the people hiring me didn't know how to sell well enough anyway. So even if we got them the meeting, they couldn't close the deal. And that's how the consulting started happening was I realized, okay, like lead generation is one thing, but closing sale, like leads are useless if people don't know how to close sales. So that's kind of how it evolved from this physical package concept to consulting and helping people holistically on generating, uh, actually closing more business. Yeah, so it was about eight months of this trying to do this physical package thing and I actually started to try to hire other people on this because we actually were growing rather quickly at a period of time. Um, we were getting up to over 25000 a month in revenue some months doing this and started to try to pull some other people in. And then it quickly realized that the whole business was really tied to my ability to consult for clients and give them the specific advice and how to word things, how to write the copy for these campaigns, the strategy and helping them get the sales and know how to handle these calls. And it started just turning into me consulting for all these clients um, and wasn't actually something scalable or systematized because it just was so high touch and such a high investment for these people that it, it required me to be involved in every deal. And so it was probably after eight months that I started saying, all right, this is just my consulting. That's all Outbound Creative is, is me consulting for agencies. <laughs> so that, that's kind of where that shift happened. Though he had some great moments with clients, that lack of scalability really gnawed at Jake. He didn't like everything being dependent upon him doing the manual work because of his expertise. He wanted to get past traditional freelance work because that's what really this was. Him lending his expertise to run marketing campaigns for clients. Two years after we shifted from the product of just maybe about a year and a half to two years of just straight consulting. And that was actually really good. I enjoyed it and I was doing well and it was growing every month and I was happy with it. Um, but ultimately somewhere in there, I knew that the I, I still wanted to launch a business. Um, so I was doing all this consulting and I started going down this route of info products and launching video courses and trying to go down that route. And it just didn't feel right and authentic to me to go that route. And so literally I, I wrote like half a book and I just kept putting off the second half of it. And I think there's still a landing page or I might say somewhere out there that I'm still writing a book. <laughs> um, but um, it, I literally just like, I don't have any desire to finish this. And I was like, why is this? Like, I'm just, why, why am I putting this off? It clearly just isn't the right path for me. And so that's where I kind of had this conversation with my wife where I was like, you know, I, I don't think this is right for me. I want to launch a business again. I think I'm at a spot where we're good. We're stable in consulting. I'm not worried. And uh, I'm ready to take a swing at something bigger again. So that was kind of that conversation leading up to deciding to launch something else. I did just a brainstorming exercise where I, I just said, what are all these ideas that I have? And I just, I spent probably about two weeks just coming up with ideas, writing them down, and then kind of trying to evaluate which ones were the best ones. And one of them was on here was just LinkedIn marketing agency, like specialized in LinkedIn. That was how the concept started. And, and so what I decided to do is I'm going to go out and learn every possible tactic there is on LinkedIn. I'm going to read every blog post, find everyone who's teaching, all the thought leaders who are writing about LinkedIn, find out what's working, and then try to turn that into a service. And so I literally didn't really come up with 
any of the stuff we're doing from scratch. We've optimized some of it, but it, it literally just learned it from all the thought leaders, um, John Nemo and Josh Turner and a handful of other people out there um, who were writing about this stuff. And I started using the tactics to see if I could get my own clients for my, my agency consulting. And it worked really, really well. And then I basically just threw up in a week, I put up a really crummy website called LinkedIn Panda, um, which is total copyright infringement. And um, I basically reached out to some people in my network and sold the first, I think, four or five customers within the first week I had launched just from people that I knew from the past consulting. When we come back from a short break, you'll learn more about this LinkedIn marketing agency concept, what it is, what Jake does for clients, and how he's doing with it as of this show. Your jaw is going to hit the floor. But first, friends, this episode of Freelance to Founder is brought to you by Paul Ingalls and his team at Ripple. Ripple is a mobile app that helps you attract and engage potential customers on social networks with visually stunning content. You can easily create beautiful images or videos that you can then customize to your heart's desire with your colors, your text, and more, and then deploy that content to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, and other destinations. They say it's like having a marketing department in your pocket. Designing is easy. Sharing is easier. You'll also love their in-app stats and recommendations. Check them out at ripple.com slash FTF. Listeners can enjoy their pro service for free for seven days to give it a whirl. That's ripl.com slash FTF. Yeah, so the, the, the biggest thing for us is, first of all, uh, you have to have an amazing value proposition or a good value proposition. So people that are generalists, if someone comes to us and they say, oh, we do SEO or we do web design, like you're, we're, we're not going to be a good fit. Our service is this framework and your value proposition is a multiplier for it. Jake Jorgovan was ready to turn his experience with Outbound Creative into a more productized service, one where he could train a team of people how to help clients so he could focus on the business itself growing it, scaling it, evolving it. And if you're not familiar with this concept of offering a productized service, I'll let Jake educate you for a moment. Yeah, so the the way I would look at that is a service company is your typical agency where they'll kind of do custom contracts or deals for each client. And then a productized service is this is what we offer. You can take it or leave it. So I think, you know, even before you go into building a productized service that runs without you, you can still productize in some aspect. Uh, so even when I was doing my consulting, I had this process called a sales teardown and a strategy blueprint, where I would basically take people through this 90-minute interview. I would write this full kind of feedback report, all my thoughts and things they could improve on their business. We'd hop on another 90-minute call to talk through that, and then we'd basically do, here's your execution and action plan. These are the things you should change in your business or your sales process or your marketing um, to basically start to improve your sales. Um, and so even if you don't go fully-fledged of creating a service that's separated from you, you can, I guess, package it, I think is what the other term is. I don't know, not sure, but like packaging up these offers for you even as a solo freelancer that make it a lot easier to sell. And then I would call it like productized, I guess, once you are hiring other people to implement that and it really kind of grows into something bigger that, you know, runs without you. As we mentioned earlier, Jake's productized service was designed to do for others what he'd done for himself successfully, leverage LinkedIn for generating leads and customers. 
But that means this wouldn't work for every type of business, right? If that's what you're thinking, you and I are thinking alike. It definitely has changed quite a bit. Early on, it was just taking on anybody who would come to us. We've eventually learned more of, again, that value proposition being a really strong piece of it. Uh, I also had the hypothesis for a while that bigger companies would want to hire us to do this, to generate leads for them. I was like, oh, if I go to these bigger companies, that'd be amazing because I could get, you know, their entire sales force on this. Um, But that hypothesis was actually eventually kind of ruled out when I realized we're kind of like this black hat tactic. Um, And so it's like, it gets a little um, great fuzzy or difficult to get through with bigger companies. So we, we found this smaller to mid-sized agencies and consulting companies and service companies are a really good spot for us. But yeah, the, basically the high level of what we're doing is we are taking, getting access into our clients' LinkedIn accounts and we're starting warm conversations between them and their ideal prospects. We basically build a set of predefined scripts. We reach out to people. We drip them messages over time and we try to do it in a very casual, not salesy, not just pitching way. Um, basically start these warm conversations between them and their ideal customers. Now, since he'd done this for himself in varying degrees as part of his outbound creative offering, he had confidence the model would hold up, but he wasn't too set on hitting certain milestones after 30 days or six months. Despite not setting specific goals, he far exceeded his own expectations. I don't know if I necessarily set initial milestones. I definitely had some kind of goals or plans with it. I literally, I think the actual, well, I think the actual initial goal I had set was to sell $1,000 of a productized service in quarter three. And then by the end of quarter three, I think we had sold like 40,000. So um, that was like the initial goal. And I remember when at the end of that quarter, when we looked back, we were like, oh, wow, that, that worked out pretty well. That, that grew pretty quickly. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'd set like a very small goal of just like trying to validate something basically. And it, it honestly exceeded my expectations and how quickly it grew. To grow from ground zero to over $40,000 per month in such a short period of time is a whirlwind. You're rapidly creating new processes to handle that kind of growth. Your priorities and tasks change quickly to take on that many clients. It's crazy. Uh, Alex McClafferty is one of the co-founders of WP Curve. And he actually advised me and I uh, brought him on as an advisor for basically from when I, the day I launched the company um, all the way up through the end of 2017. And we met weekly and worked together, and he tremendously helped in terms of speeding that up, um, in terms of and helping me avoid probably lots of dumb decisions, um, probably even the, <laughs> the bigger thing that he did. Um, but I just learned a ton through that, and so it definitely, um, I actually had these bigger growth goals. I thought I was going to be more, because I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I just need to add so many clients each month, and it's going to be perfect, and then churn sucks, like losing customers, signing the wrong customers and refund. And we have a 30 day refund policy and having to give refunds and then like literally maxing out on capacity and being like, we can't take any customers for a couple weeks until we figure things out. Like there was so much chaos in those first few months. Um, and it was just nonstop go, but um, I actually thought we were going to be further, but I'm still quite happy with where we're at. So <laughs> August 1st, literally it's still me and one other guy uh, who has been with me for a long time. And we're doing everything ourselves, uh, sales, operations, marketing, everything. And um, we started hiring more people quickly and built a structure of both teams in the USA and in the Philippines. Um, and 
in so basically at the, at the, I'll give you the current state the current state is that we have six uh, full-time people in the USA and we have nine offshore people that are full-time with us actually Jake has soared to over 45,000 in monthly recurring sales as of the first quarter in 2018 that's astounding with a service that's not software as he looks back over what he did right in creating lead cookie there's a lot to be proud of and a lot of lessons for other freelancers out there who want to raise the valleys of their income. If he had to package that up into a nice and tidy takeaway for someone, here's what he'd say. Yeah, I would say that the biggest thing is to first find something that people want and that you can deliver without you being involved. And I think that the connection or to evolve from a freelance to a founder, it's all about finally getting something that you can sell that doesn't require you to personally be involved. You want to do just some initial financial models and everything at the start, but the biggest thing is just not worry too much about that. Uh, you know, you want to at least run some basic numbers to make sure it's, it makes going to make sense. And then just go out there and start trying to sell it. That's the biggest thing. Uh, uh, don't get stuck planning or trying to think through it all or do all these models. Like I said, the lead cookie was a really rough thrown up on a page business plan, turned a landing page out in a week, and then basically just started selling it. And I was selling it for super cheap at the time. Uh, it would not ever be profitable at scale, but it was validated enough in that, that it was working, and then eventually just kept raising that price over time. Jake knows his model isn't foolproof, despite his early success. He's not that naive, having been through two past agencies or startups that didn't quite work out. Without a certain social network, his agency would have to overhaul its service entirely. He also knows sketchy competitors could make life more difficult for him. You know, I, I definitely, the size of this market and where this company could grow to is massive, but we run this one massive vulnerability, which is that we sit on top of LinkedIn. Um, and so that's a scary thing because we exist on a platform that could change um, and move. And so that is a very large vulnerability that I'm aware of. And so for me, that's actually where I'm, I'm pulling in some advisors, some people who are closer to LinkedIn, who understand this world and trying to just get insight into what is coming, like how do we position ourselves? And then ultimately at some point, I do believe I'm gonna have to diversify the service in some capacity just to keep ourselves safe. You know, I'm, I'm less worried about what we're doing, but I'm more worried about the other people in the field who are just blasting out extremely spammy scripts. <laughs> so we, we very much try to make our short and sweet and personable conversation starters, while I get messages from other people where they're just blasting me a giant sales pitch right out of the gate. And those are the things that scare me that, that people like that are gonna cause the, um, the policies or the, the rules on LinkedIn to change someday. So despite the obvious risks inherent in his model that consume his mind, Jake and Lead Cookie are thriving in just a short period of time. But really, the biggest lesson from this episode is this. The marketplace is open-minded right now about paying for productized services. Instead of the hourly or time and materials billing that so many freelancers have offered through the years, if you can offer a flat fee service to customers, you might be giving yourself a raise. And it's not only more common for decision makers to run across, it's more easily sold by you, especially if you're not particularly keen on selling. 
it's not really that different than like just a, a standard business. Um, I mean, if you think, if you go look at any business, like a car rental place, it's like a productized service, you know, it's just a different thing. And it's just, it's a model that people are applying, I guess, more these days to um, these kind of design or services that I guess that are more relevant to freelancers. But it's, it's not a new model. It's just taking, you know, what is most business models and applying it to the creative profession in some capacity. And that's the story of Jake Jorgen, founder of Lead Cookie. From struggling to find his way as a teenager, to a failed startup, to launching and running a highly successful agency. Thanks for joining us, Jake. Folks, I want you to stay subscribed and tell your friends about Freelance to Founder. We've got another great story for you in the next episode. It's Cynthia Johnson, founder of personal branding agency, Bell Ivy in Los Angeles, California. The first, first thing I'll touch on is that we actually don't operate um, as if we have competitors because working with people who do what we do makes our job a lot easier. So we actually partner with and build relationships with other personal brand agencies and PR companies. We're building a brand by doing really amazing work, not by putting ourselves in any sort of order of or rank within the space. For everyone at Millo, and that's M-I-L-L-O dot C-O, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Freelance to Founder.